change my life forever. Amen. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what we've been learning even the last couple of weeks. That when we put our trust in Jesus, we were crucified with Christ. Our old man, not us like physically, our old man, sin, the power of sin. So that in Romans 6 it says, he who has died to sin is free from it. And we've been learning that we, because of uh, uh, being in Christ, and because Christ is living in us by his spirit, that we have the power from him, his righteousness in us, to overcome sin, to overcome things that we've been in bondage to. And yet we also were learning that there's this tension, there's this struggle, that even though our old man, the flesh, has been crucified at the cross, and that old stuff has been... uh, uh, dealt with at the cross, yet we still have that stuff hanging around. We're not in the flesh, the Bible says, it's been crucified, and yet still this flesh is hanging around. Wrong ways of thinking, wrong habits, uh, wrong ways of uh, uh, doing things, and, and wrong ways of speaking, that kind of thing, that still are hanging around. And the Bible says there's this battle, that literally our flesh, the old man, and our spirit, who's been born again, and Christ is living inside of us, that there's literally a war going on inside of us. And so if you've ever, uh, you ever been a Christian, you're walking with Jesus and you think, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. But your spirit is desiring to walk in God's ways. And yet you have this flesh that wants to pull you in the, in the old direction. So it creates this tension. And yet we saw last week that we have the power to overcome. And even though there's a battle... Even though this old man's hanging around, we have the power to overcome. That the greater reality, we saw it in Galatians chapter 5.16, where Paul says, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the cravings of the flesh. You will not. Why? That's a promise, isn't it? The promise is that you, you won't give in to those pull, that pull, that desire, those cravings. That You won't fall back into those habits if you're walking in the Spirit. And so what we need to do is we need to learn how to walk in the Spirit, don't we? We need to learn how to walk in the Spirit so that we can overcome, if you will, so we can get victory and win the battle. That is a real battle. Every Christ follower struggles. Every Christ follower struggles. But those who walk in the Spirit, they will not gratify the crazy sinful nature. And so here's what we've been learning. And here's the point that the Lord wants to make today. Galatians 2.20. So this is where it's at. That it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the power, isn't it? It's no longer me just trying to be a good Christian. Just trying to do everything I can in my own effort, with my own will, willpower, and to, to make God like me or be a good person. Or not do that thing I just keep doing and I don't want to do it. No, no, no. Paul says, no, I've been crucified. And it's no longer I who live. That old man's been crucified at the cross. And now Christ is living inside of me. His life, 
His righteousness, His power on the inside of me, enabling me to become like Him. Christ is literally producing His character on the inside of us. That's what's great about what Jesus has done at the cross. We're becoming who we already are. But he's on the inside of us. His righteousness is already there. And he's producing that righteousness in us. Causing us to, to, to get control of our thoughts. To get control of the words we speak. And get control of our habits. Produce righteousness in our life. But notice what he says. He goes on he says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, referring to the body, referring to, hey, I'm still in this earth suit. I'm still walking around on earth. I haven't gone to heaven yet. He says, but the life I live... I live by faith. The life I live, I live by faith. See, this is how we overcome. Faith. That's it. It's no longer works, trying to earn, trying to strive. It's not about just fulfilling a bunch of laws and rules. We overcome by faith. Let me say it another way. That His power or His life, His righteousness flows through us as we simply trust Him and depend on Him. As we walk with Jesus, we become like Jesus, right? As we learn to look to Him and trust Him and depend upon Him, surrendering to His Lordship, trusting Him and following Him, He produces His righteousness through us. This is beautiful. Because it's no longer about us striving or trying to earn it, beat ourselves up, shame and guilt and condemnation. Not about that, is it? It's really about this amazing, glorious freedom, resting in Him and trusting Him and allowing Him to produce His character through us. Amen? So His power, His life through us as we depend on Him. See, that means all the commands in the Bible... All the commands, which are good. He produces in us as we trust Him. Let me say that again. So all the commands in the Bible, Jesus obeys through you as you trust Him. I'm not a very good Christian. But He is. Right? You don't have to be a good Christian. We need to trust Him. He obeys through us. It, that's what it means. Righteousness. His righteousness. He obeys God through us. He's the one who will cause you to overcome things like anger, or lust. He's the one that will help you to get control of your tongue, like gossip, or maybe you get angry and you just like rip somebody apart with your words, say something mean. He's the one who will give you victory over pride or fear or anxiety. He's the one that sets you free. Remember Jesus said that to his disciples? If you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not you will set yourself free. God's truth will set you free. What? As you abide in his word. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. I will give you rest, right? Why? Because he says, I'll teach you. 
What's his yoke? His yoke is his teaching. He says, you come and you follow me. Didn't he say that to his disciples? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? This is the same thing when he says, take my yoke upon you. He says, yoke yourself to me. Follow me. Abide in my word. Give yourselves to my teachings. Give yourself to this relationship with me where you're trusting me and depending on me. And he says, I will teach you. For I am gentle and lowly. I will make you a fisher of men. My truth will set you free. Right? It's his power as we depend or trust in him. That's the power of this thing. That's the beauty of this thing. So here's the thing. There's instructions in the word of God of how to walk in the spirit so that we won't gratify the cravings of the flesh. There's instructions in the word of God of how to walk by faith. How to live a life that is depending on him rather than depending on me. How do you do that? I want to show you that. I want to give you five principles today, or really, if you will, five commands. But these five things in the Word of God are just simply how to walk in the Spirit. How to live a life of dependence on Jesus. They're not like how to make God like you. They're not how you can overcome sin in your own effort. They're how you can trust the Lord and allow His power to release victory in your life. Amen? You like that? I love it when 1 John chapter 5 says in verse 4. 1 John chapter 5 says this. Add it. Here we go. For uh, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The Bible says the same thing in many different ways. But you see that? Who, who overcomes the world? He or she who's born again. Why is that? Because it's his righteousness on the inside of it. When it says you're born of God, it's talking about you having his righteousness, his, very, his spirit living inside of you, making you a child of God. All of the kingdom and his promises and resources are available to you as a child of God, an heir of Christ Jesus. And he says, now how do we overcome? This is how we overcome. Faith. Our trust in Him that gives us the victory. Didn't Jesus say that in John 15? He who abides in me, there's much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do we walk by faith? Turn with me to Romans 6. And right there, as Paul is describing the things that we've been learning for the last couple of weeks, as Paul is describing this battle that we're in between our flesh and our spirit, and as Paul is describing the fact that we are dead to sin and alive to God, he's telling us that this is the reality right there in verse uh, chapter seven. He said, um, chapter six, verse seven. Sorry, chapter six, verse seven. He says, "For he who has been freed, I'm sorry, he who has died." been freed from sin. And so Paul is explaining to us how it is that we've been united with Christ and given the power of Jesus to overcome and be free from sin. In the midst of him explaining this through chapter 6, 7, 8, he gives a couple of instructions. And what he's doing is he's teaching God's people how to walk in the Spirit. And I want to show you these, these, these specific instructions. I was thinking about this this battle that we, we face a lot of times 
with temptation, desires that pull us this way or that way. I was remembering that when I, before I was a Christ follower, before I came to Jesus, I was doing a lot of research. I was a skeptic. I was reading the Bible. I was you know, studying, like, is, did Jesus really rise from the dead? And I went to, a, 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 not a church, but a, a Christian club, and, and I was trying to you know, be a good person, and I was failing miserably. I just remember just having no ability to say no to sin, no ability to fight against it, and, and, and living totally a, you know, two different lives. Really, I was out partying, uh, you know, a 16-year-old out partying and getting drunk, and then going to this Christian club. Now, it's a good thing that I went to the Christian club, right? You know, by the way, if anyone's here and you're like living that life, keep coming to church, keep hearing the word, right? You don't need to say, well, you know, I always tell people, say, well, I sh- can't go to church because I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't, you don't get cleaned up and then come to God. No, we come to God to get cleaned up, amen? So it's a good thing I was going there to this Christian club and this friend shared the gospel with me. But I'll tell you, when I put my trust in the Lord, and many of you heard my testimony before, when I put my trust in the Lord and the spirit of the living God came inside of me, oh man, it was a night and day difference. I never sinned again. No, joking, right? No, in some ways, that's when the battle really started. But let me tell you, it was like before I had no effort against sin and all of a sudden as the holy spirit came inside of me there was this motivation there was a confidence there was a desire but there was power to begin to say no and i began to hear from the lord and begin to get wisdom and strategy i began to walk in the spirit and as i walked in the spirit i got free it's like this it's like let's say uh you know it's interesting this week my son was learning is learning to wrestle clint was showing my son uh, some wrestling moves. And so, of course, he was so excited and he came home and he wanted to show me these different moves. So it was kind of cool, you know. The, really neat. By the way, he did good. You know, he got down on his knees and he, uh, or, or one knee and then took out my legs and pushed me down. And he showed me a defensive move too. And, you know, he's, he's learning, right? He's excited about it. it but it would be like, it would be like me. The reality is, I, I, it's not really fair if him and I are wrestling unless I and playing around. It, w- it wouldn't be fair. A- a- any person fighting a-, a seven-year-old, I mean, you could just pit him to the ground, right? One hand. You know? Now, I'm glad you learned those wrestling moves, but, I mean, I'm just bigger. It's just not really fair. And see, a lot of times, that's how we feel, especially when we weren't saved, but a lot of times, even when we struggle, the enemy is just on top of us. Got you in a chokehold, got you twisted up like a pretzel, and you feel pressed to the ground, you feel like you cannot get free. And a lot of times that's exactly how it is, especially with certain things that have been habitual things in our life that we have given access to, fear or anxiety, right? Lust can be such a bondage, right? Lies that we have believed about who we are that have brought insecurities into our lives. These things can just cause us to be just pushed down, overwhelmed, When you begin to walk in the Spirit, and it says, and you will not gratify the cravings of the sinful nature, right? The flesh. What that's saying is that when you walk in the Spirit, His power starts to flow through you. And no longer are you just on the mat, twisted up like a pretzel. But you're able, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by His wisdom and His strategies, then you get outside of that hold. And it's like Jesus comes and he starts coaching you and he starts training you and he starts getting you strong in the spirit. And he starts giving you wisdom and he shows you how to do the moves, you know? Because, I mean, honestly, in wrestling, if you've got two people who are about the same weight class, it really is about skills. It's about, do you know how to handle your body? Use all your muscles, use your weight, right? Use their weight against them. I mean, it's about those types of things, right? 
And so what happens is the Lord gets you strong. He has given you back your power. He has given you back your authority in the Lord. And it's the Lord who wants to be your coach. He wants to teach you how to do this. And so now, when we're walking in the Spirit, it's not that you're not going to wrestle. Remember the Bible even says that we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities and powers, spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Ephesians chapter 6, right? But how do we overcome? We put on the whole armor of God. What he's saying is the Lord comes and he trains us to fight. He trains us to win the battle. And so here you are now. You're not underneath anymore. You're not twisted up like a pretzel. Now you're, the, now you're the one ready to fight, right? And the Lord says, now get in the right stance. Okay, now do that move. And all of a sudden, you find yourself, boom, you won a match, right? You won that round. You run that round. Oh, man, I'm winning. It doesn't mean you're not going to fall down. It doesn't mean you're not going to sin. It doesn't mean you're not going to, to fail sometimes. But you get back up again because you're not under the weight of that anymore. Does it make sense? Right? That's what we're talking about. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify cravings of the flesh. Begin to get stronger. Walk in freedom. And you'll know how to win that battle and to pin that enemy to the ground. That's what we mean by overcoming. There's a huge difference between wrestling against something you're stronger than and winning. You've got to exert some muscle. You've got to sweat. But there's a huge difference, isn't there, between wrestling and winning versus feeling completely like a victim, weak, and pushed to the ground by that sin. Yeah? I'm telling you, when you walk in the Spirit, you are stronger than that thing. You hear me? You are free. We need to learn to walk in that freedom. So Paul says how to walk in that freedom, by faith. Verse 11. Let me read, uh, uh, we'll read a bunch of verses here, verse 11 to 14. He says this, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as weapons, or I'm sorry, instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. I think we've had some technical difficulties lately, so let me, I I don't think the points will be up here on the screen, so let me just tell you what the five principles are. I'm going to go through them real quick. You got it? I don't know. Okay, so number one is we need to learn to consider who we are in Christ. Number two, we need to learn to confess. Talk about that. Number three, we need to learn to cut it off. Number four, we need to learn to consecrate our lives to the Lord. Number five, we need to learn to cry out. Let me walk you through each one of these and show you right here in the Word. But let me tell you, this is what Paul is saying in the Word. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to you how to overcome. If you'll apply these principles, if you'll walk in these ways, it's walking by faith in dependence on the Lord. And the Lord will release His power to you. The Lord is saying. So number one, it says, reckon yourselves. Verse 11, notice that? Likewise, you also reckon yourselves yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to god in christ jesus some translations say consider yourself dead to sin to count yourself that way basically jesus is dead to sin jesus is righteous yes does jesus struggle with sin is jesus up there saying like oh man oh i don't know 
might need to do it. Right? Does Jesus, like, you ever been in a conversation, you know, think Jesus is in a conversation with somebody and he's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Man, I really need to get control of my tongue. Does Jesus struggle with sin? No. The Bible says that though he was tempted in every way, he never sinned. But more than that, he overcame sin at the cross. And so it says he, he died to that stuff and he sit at the Father's right hand and he's alive. Does a dead, is a dead, can a dead man be tempted? You know what I'm saying? The dead man, you ever go to a funeral and the dead man's looking at people, checking girls out? Hey, never seen that, right? Right? You ever have a dead man just like, I'm really struggling with this gambling debt? You ever seen a dead man worry? Worry about money? Ain't got nothing to worry about anymore, does he? Right? Dead men are not tempted by sin, are they? Dead men are not affected by temptation. Dead men are totally free from that, yes? That's exactly what Paul says. You are dead to that sin. You are dead to that sin. Now listen, he says, now reckon yourselves. You notice that? Count yourselves as dead to sin and alive to God. What does that mean? It's kind of like an accounting metaphor. Basically saying, you need to line up, take Jesus' ledger, right? Take Jesus' ledger and line it up with yours. Line it up with yours. Now, religion and condemnation says, line up your ledger with Jesus, man, you stink. But that is not what the gospel says, right? No, the gospel says you put your trust in him and you are united with Christ. And so the first thing we need to do is consider ourselves to be dead to sin alive to God. We need to know who we are in Christ. And here's what happens. You take his ledger and you line it up with your ledger and guess what? Yours is the same as his. And so here's what you do. You begin to transfer it. You say, oh, oh, okay, he's dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. He's alive to God. Oh, I'm alive to God. He's righteous. Oh, I'm righteous. What are you doing? What is true of him is true of you. What he has, you have. Why? Because you're united with Christ. That's what it means to reckon yourself dead to sin alive to God. To consider yourself just as he is. Because if you look at the whole verse, it says, he's that way. Okay, now you think of yourself that way. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is number one. I'm telling you, this is number one. If you don't stand on who you are in Christ, you won't stand at all. You've got to know who you are in order to overcome that stuff. That's why the transformation, right, that God's transformative power, His power that changes or transforms on the inside, is released when? Our mind is renewed. It's our mind that needs to be renewed. We need to take the ledger and say, and reckon ourselves to be as he is. He's dead to sin alive to God. Okay, reckon yourselves to also be dead to sin alive to God. That whatever is true of him is true of me. How do we do that? How do you actually, if you will, transfer that? It's not, it's not that you have to do it, right? It's not like, okay, I have to make myself dead. No, you already are, right? You already are. So how do we do that? How do we get our minds renewed? Let me tell you something. Your tongue is the rudder of your ship. Did you know that? Listen to this in James chapter 3. Some of you are thinking, what? I have a ship? James chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. 
Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Your tongue is a little part of your body, and yet it's the most powerful muscle in your body. Your tongue is the bit in the horse's mouth. Your tongue is the rudder of the ship. Man, how? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what James said? If you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Man, how do I get freedom from these habits? Why do I just keep doing this? As a man thinks, so is he, right? Proverbs says. How do I take every thought captive, the Bible says? How do I get my thoughts in control? Your tongue. Where your tongue goes, that's where your mind's going to go, that's where your body's going to go. This is why the Bible says, Joshua chapter 1, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. This is what meditation is. It's coming into agreement with God and confessing the truth back to God. One of the most powerful things you can do is just begin to thank the Lord for who you are in Christ. Begin to worship Him and thank Him and declare to Him out loud, meditating the word that this is true of Jesus, therefore it's true of me. And when you begin to reckon yourself or consider yourself dead to sin alive to God, it will release confidence in you and motivation and strength. I'll tell you, if you do this, It'll set you up, right? This is number one. But if you don't do this, you're not walking in the Spirit, and there won't be that strength against sin. There won't be that motivation against sin. You've got to know who you are in Christ, amen? And you've got to speak that out in order to bring those thoughts into captivity. You've got to speak that out for it to strengthen you. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. I've watched the Lord uh, set me free from so many things. Let me tell you, it's never happened. I never saw breakthrough in any area of my life until I believed that God wanted to do it more than me. As long as I was begging Him or just saying sorry that I messed up again, it's not, that's never going to set us free. Shame is not a motivator. Beating ourselves up is, does not give us the ability to overcome. That, that's us doing it in our human effort. Just feeling bad about it is not going to do anything. Only when you trust Him that He's already provided everything you need, only when you believe that it's His will, right? Isn't this what Abraham did? It says in Romans 4 that he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, right? As he would thank the Lord for the promise it would strengthen him on the inside. This is exactly what we need to do. Isn't this what King David did? This is why David would sing to the Lord. Where did David get that confidence to overcome trials that he would face? Where did David get that boldness to take out Goliath? He did it. He had that confidence because he really believed God was with him on his side. And where did he get that from? Because he would sing to the Lord constantly. What was he doing? Singing, speaking, meditating. The word, right? That's where it came from where it comes from. <clears throat> you know, think of it like this. Imagine that your mind, imagine your body is like a house, right? 
go with that metaphor for a little bit. Just imagine and that your house has been overrun. You ever heard about that? People go like on vacation or something like that, and just they come back and somebody moved into their house? You heard about that? That happens. It's called squat, you know? Uh, somebody who's called a squatter, they might, they might go camp out in some abandoned building. But literally, there are people, they move on, they just move into your house. And it's weird. I mean, there are some loopholes in our Western law that can cause them to do that, and it's hard to get them out. But imagine, imagine, here's your house. Some people have just kind of come in. Some people have psh, broken in. Other people, you let in, you know? And here you got your house all overrun. Number one, if you don't know that they're not supposed to be there, right? If you don't know the law, if you think that it's okay for them to be there, victim mentality, right? What am I going to do, right? See, a lot of people, they just don't know what the Word says about them. They don't know what the law says, the law of God's Word, the law of the kingdom that says you are free. And that sin has no right to be there. And so what happens is, man, you come home from vacation and you're like, oh man, what am I going to do? I moved into my house. Could you please leave? No, I'm not going to leave. It's my house. Oh, it is? If you don't know who you are in Christ, the enemy's going to accuse you, lie to you, push you around, and stay there and not leave. In order for you to begin to exert or exercise the authority that you have, Hey, this is what the law says, you need to leave. In order for you to exercise that authority, first and foremost, you have to believe you have it. Right? This is why considering who you are in Christ is number one. You've got to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, you won't even tell the thing to go. Does it make sense? Or if you do, you'll be passive about it or sheepish about it. Or you'll feel shame, right? Remember we talked about that? The snake is in your house and you're thinking, I'm such a bad Christian, I've got a snake in my house, you know? Instead of saying, dude, that's not supposed to be there, get out, right? See, sometimes we think that we're sinners. If you think you're a sinner, you're going to live that way. You've got to realize you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If there's sin in you, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to confess and get out, okay? As long as you keep your mind set on who you are in Christ, you'll have that confidence and that motivation to overcome. All right, I've got to run through these quicker than this. Notice the next couple of phrases that Paul says. So first he says, reckon in verse 11, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Do you see that? Don't let it reign in your mortal body. What does that mean? You have victory. You have the authority. Don't let it come in there and boss you around. That's what it said, right? Don't let it reign. Don't let it be the boss. Don't let it pick on you, bully you, push you around, right? That, that guy moved into your house, and he said, I ain't leaving. And what is, what is Paul saying? Listen, listen, you've got to see yourself as dead to that thing. You've got to see yourself with authority over that thing, and you've got to really, don't let it push you around. Don't let it reign in your mortal body. Now, sometimes we read that, and we think, oh, God's condemning me because I have sinned. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, use your authority. See, a lot of times we as Christians, we don't understand how the kingdom works. We think, well, if Jesus died, it should just be done, Right? If it's God's will for me to be healed or if it's God's will for me to be free, then it should just be gone. If it was God's will, he'd just do it. No, no, that's not how the kingdom works. He has given you back your authority. He has given you back the power. Now use it. Use it. 
Just because a law has been written into the law books by Congress doesn't mean someone doesn't need to like announce the law, execute the law, right? If somebody moves into your house, you got to get them out. The first thing you do is you go to the judge and you say, here's my deed, right? It's right there. My name's right there. This is my house. See? See? David and Michelle Turner. This is our house. They're not on that deed, right? You've got to be able to come and exercise or use your authority. That's what he's saying. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't be passive. Don't let it be there. Okay, now how do we do that? Well, number one is we need to confess that sin, right? First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. <clears throat> says this. First John chapter 1, starting in verse 8. says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's what happens. When we confess sin, it shines a light on that thing and it gives it no place anymore. The Bible even says that, that the word of God is like a light into our path and a lamp into our feet. Or another place in the scripture that says, in your light, I see light. A lot of times we're walking around in the dark tripping over stuff that we don't need to be tripping over. I don't know why I'm struggling with this. I don't know why it has such a stronghold in my life. We don't realize a lot of times what's the source of that. You never tell you guys that, that I like to save electricity, so I'll turn off all the lights and I'll walk down the hallway, just, you know, I think I can handle it, not knowing that I put a vacuum cleaner right in the hallway, you know, bam, oh my goodness, my toe, you know what I'm saying? Who put that there? Oh, I put that there, you know? And I like knew it was there. Sometimes we just need to turn on the lights, don't we? Oh, there it is. Get it out. See, a lot of times, you and I, we don't even know why we're struggling with something. You might even think, you might say, a lot of people, oh, I know what my problem is. No, probably not. If you're still struggling with it, you don't know what your problem is. I'll tell you, only the word of God can shine a light on the root issues. Every sin is rooted in a lie we believe about ourselves and God, always. And a lot of times, we don't realize what that is. We need the light of God's word to shine. A lot of times we come to the doctor, we come to Jesus and we say, here, I got this rash, Jesus. I got this rash. Jesus says, oh, no, no, I, th- I think there's a bigger problem. Oh, no, 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 no. Can you just give me some topical cream? I just have a rash. I just have a rash. Can you just, can we just deal with the rash? And Jesus says, well, no, there's actually a, a deeper issue going on there. No, no, it's okay. I just want this to deal with the rash. I don't want to talk about the deeper issue. And we keep telling Jesus how to cure us. Confession Literally, the word confess means to agree with God. We need to allow the doctor to shine the light, run the test, do the x-ray. And here's what happens. You'll find out Jesus will say, actually, it's not a rash. You've got a disease on the inside of you, and we need to deal with it. See, until we allow the Lord to expose the root issues, the why we do what we do, we're not going to get free. It's not just about confessing a behavior. Well, I did that yesterday, I know. No, we need to confess what's really going on. Let the light shine upon us. So when he shines his light upon us from the word of God, and we need his word to shine the light and show us, man, that's, oh, that's what's going on inside my heart. That's when confession happens. We confess our sin. We don't hide it. We don't say, no, no, I don't, I don't got anything going on inside of me. No, we say, oh, thank you. Thank you for exposing that. Thank you for exposing that sin. And I am thank you that you already forgive me, right? So I confess, Lord, that's sin. And we need to confess it as sin. 
The quicker you confess it, and the more that you would confess just the root issue of it. Not confess, I'm a sinner, I'm so bad. No, no, no. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive me. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. But Lord, yeah, that's sin. That's, that's, a, man, that's a wrong way to think. No, that's a lie. I've been believing that lie. No, that is, that is sin. That is death. That is wrong. That is not love. Lord, I confess that. And you confess it right away. No hiding, no lying. No, I didn't sin. And he says, You're, we're lying if, we're, if we say that. But when he li- his light needs to shine upon us, we need his word to shine the light and then confess it. Number three, we need to cut it off. Okay, so if there's that guy living in your house, you need to get him out, right? Get him out. The word of God has commandments in it, things that we need to things we need to stop doing, right? Things that just say, don't do that. Run from that. There are people, there are situations, there might be places, there might be things that we need to cut off. There needs to be, there are things that we need to stop thinking, lies that we need to stop believing, right? Words that we need to stop saying, habits we need to walk away from. The Bible tells us those things. And rather than viewing them, as like some sort of thing like God's trying to take away my joy or he's trying to control me or something like that. On the other hand, those instructions in the scriptures, those commandments, those things that it says, don't do that. That's the Lord trying to set you free. That's all. He's good. And he wants to do is he wants to reveal to you things that you need to stop doing. There are things that need to be renounced. And so here's what happens. That thing comes into your house, right? That squatter's living in your house. And you need to say, hey, yo, here's the title deed. You are not allowed to be here, right? You need to begin to use your authority and shine a light on it. You don't need, you don't need like, you know, Jesus comes in and starts cleaning out your house. And he says, what's that smell? What's that smell? Oh, nothing, Jesus, nothing. Just clean that room right there, that room right there. Just clean that one. Okay, I'll clean that room. And he starts cleaning out that room. What's that smell? I don't know, Jesus. No, no, it's fine. I don't smell it. I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. What's that smell, right? And then he comes over and he opens the closet and there's like a dead dog in there or something like that. I mean, no, I know, it's nasty. But you got to give him access, right? There are things that we want to hide. There are things that we don't want to let go of. There's things we don't want to give up. And what the Lord is saying, it man, you got to shine the light on that thing, confess it as sin, and you got to allow the Lord to kick it out. And so there are things that we need to stop doing. There are things that we need to cut off and we need to uh, listen to the Lord about those things, okay? And so there are instructions that the Lord gives in his word <clears throat> to be able to cut those things off. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Interesting verse, isn't it? Let me tell you, I've, I've always found in my life, breakthrough always comes when I make the serious choice to do what he said. I'm telling you, I've watched it in many people's lives. As long as you're half-hearted about it, as long as you want to cuddle that thing, hold on to it a little bit, you don't really want to make the serious change, it will stay there. You have to get serious. If somebody's pushing you, if somebody pushes you, it's basic physics, you have to exert an equal or greater force in order not to fall backwards, right? I mean, greater to overcome. Overcome means if somebody's pushing on you, you've got to exert a greater force. You've got to push back. 
That's what that scripture is saying. It's saying you need to get serious about this thing. You've got to see it as sin, see it as deadly, as disgusting, as displeasing to God, and as deadly to you and others. And you've got to confess that and then cut it off. There are behaviors, there are ways of talking, ways of thinking that need to be stopped. And we've got to get serious. And whenever I have seen men or women get serious about sin and, 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 and set boundaries in their life, put accountability in their life, I mean serious accountability, like I'm going to call before I do it, not after. Every time I've seen people make serious sacrifices, sacrifices, willing to suffer the loss of self, because anytime there's sin, there's some area of self in there. Anytime somebody is willing to make some the tough calls, there's always breakthrough. But I'll tell you, as long as you're like, Jesus loves me and I'm forgiven, but you don't want to let go of that thing, it will continue to ensnare you. You've got to give Jesus complete access to the house. You've got to let him shine on everything, and you've got to let him clean out the house. All right? Uh, Number four is consecration. Consecration means making Jesus Lord. And you'll notice Paul says this in uh, chapter, chapter six of Romans. In verse 13, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but listen, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. This is called consecration, where you say to the Lord, Lord, I give you my body as a weapon of righteousness, an instrument of righteousness, as a living sacrifice. I offer myself to you, my time, my thoughts, my desires, my emotions, my hands, my feet, my reproductive organs, my relationships, everything is yours. First Corinthians 6 says we no longer belong to ourselves. We've been bought at a price. We belong to Jesus. Every, every, every breakthrough is going to come when we surrender to his lordship. Jesus said, if you'll come to me, hear my sayings and do them, you'll be like a person on the solid rock of God's word. See, there are commands in the scriptures that tell us how to get free. And they are not trying to control us, but they are strategies. It's like your coach. Your coach says, hey, you need to eat better. Okay, you need to run. You need to do workouts. Okay, practice, 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 practice. And a lot of times we're thinking, God's telling me to do this or don't do this. And he's trying to control me or he's trying to do this. And we don't want to do what God says. We can be stubborn. But we don't realize all he's trying to do is train you in righteousness and get you strong enough, right? What I want to encourage you is to think of the commands of God more as Holy Spirit strategies, as Jesus, your coach, training you and showing you how to get victory. So there are specific commands of how to overcome sin. And they are not you trying to earn your way to God. It's Jesus obeying through you as you'll surrender to him. But it takes consecration. It basically takes saying, Jesus, you're my coach. You're my master. I'll do what you say. Does it make sense? So you say, okay, coach says, coach says, hey, do you want to win? You want to win? Yes, I want to win. Okay, I'll see you here at 5.30, ready for training. Can, 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 can we do like eight? I'm really not a morning person. What's your coach going to say? Find another coach, right? Remember when Jesus said, hey, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? We want to debate him. We want to like, you know, negotiate. And he's saying, this is for you. These are strategies to get you free. All right? So consecration is where cutting it off is where you say no to certain habits, but consecration is where you say yes to certain things, where he's going to give you strategies to get free, and you're going to embrace his will and follow him as Lord. Lastly, crying out. Let me tell you, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, he who calls upon the name of the Lord will be 
saved. We've got to cry out to the Lord. When you cry out to God, you're looking to Him for His help. In every aspect of this, you cannot do it in your own human effort. You need His power. And crying out to the Lord positions you to receive from Him. It tells God, I'm desperate for you and I'm dependent on you. And the Lord promises, if you'll cry out, I will set you free. But we've got to cry out. We've got to lift up our voice and cry out to the Lord. Do you remember that widow that Jesus talked about? There was a widow. Remember a widow in the ancient world? We're talking no husband, no kids, no provision. There's no welfare. There's no unemployment, nothing. A widow means you have no one to take care of you. She has nothing. Jesus tells a story about a widow who goes to a judge and says, somebody is picking on me. Somebody was oppressing her. Maybe financially, somebody was taking advantage of her. And this widow kept going to this judge and saying, give me justice. And in the story, Jesus said, because he was trying to make a point, he said, well, this judge, this judge doesn't care about God at all. This judge didn't fear God. And this judge didn't care about people. He could care less what people thought. He just cared about himself. He was probably one of those judges, very common in the ancient world, everybody would know, who just is very common for them to take bribes. But he doesn't care. He wants some money. She's got nothing. He's not doing his job, though. Jesus says, she keeps pestering him. And he says, it's because he kept, she kept pestering him that he finally said, you know, I don't care about God and I don't care about people, but man, I just want this lady to leave me alone, so I'm going to give her justice. Now, the point Jesus was making is, how much more will God come through for us? God who does care about us, God who is just, But listen, we have to bring the title deed before the judge. We have to bring the law before the judge and say, there's a a squatter in my house. This is my house. And I am asking you, give me justice, right? We need to come before the Lord and say, I don't have any righteousness. I need yours. I don't have any wisdom. I need yours. I need you to teach me. I need you to shine your light upon this sin because I don't even know why I do it. I need light. I keep tripping over this dumb vacuum cleaner. I need someone to turn on the lights for me. And so, Lord, shine the light. And, Lord, I don't know. I don't have the motivation, the power to cut off this sin. I need you. I need you. And you cry out to God, and you cry out to God, and you cry out to God. And the Lord says, if you will not give up, but if you will persist in faith-filled prayer, just like that judge finally said, okay, I got to do it because she's bugging me, He says, how much more will God give justice for his people if they'll cry out to him day and night? See, this you can't do this casually. You can't just like come once a week to church and say, I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. No, you've got to renew your mind by constantly, every day, all day, speaking out who you are in Christ, worshiping the Lord. And you've got to constantly cry out to the Lord. You've got to get desperate. Because let me tell you, until you get desperate, let me say it a different way. If it doesn't move your heart, it won't move his. You've got to. To cry out to the Lord and cry out and say, God, have mercy on me. And when you do, the Bible says, he who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God has promised if you will cry out to the Lord. Think about King David. Aren't his psalms full of worship? And aren't they full of, God, have mercy on me. I need your help. Why? There's a man who's walking by faith. He was thanking the Lord. You're always with me, God. I'm going through some crazy stuff right now, but you're with me. And God, help me. It's really that simple. So, we need to consider who we are in Christ. We need to confess sin. We need to to cut it off. 
We make some serious sacrificial choices to cut it off. We need to consecrate our hearts to the Lord. It means 100%, Lord, you are my Lord. I give you my allegiance. You might fall down, you might mess up, but you're my Lord. I'm going to do what you say. And number five, we need to cry out to the Lord. And what am I trying to say? That all of these things are us walking by the Spirit. None of these things are our human effort. All of these things are how to walk by faith. They're acts of faith. If you do these things, you're walking in the Spirit. If you do not do these things, you are not walking in the Spirit. And let me say it another way. When you walk in the Spirit, you just do these things. (laughs) Paul is describing what it looks like for a person who's walking in the Spirit. People who walk in the Spirit, they do this. The Spirit leads us to come to Jesus and to depend on Jesus. All of these things I'm talking about today, these five things, they are simply you trusting Jesus. And I love it. I love it because what does he do? He produces it in you. You guys remember, uh, let me end with this illustration. You remember the karate kid? I love it. I love that scene. I always get it. I, I think it's awesome. Where, remember, remember Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi? This is the first one. Mr. Miyagi, he's going to teach Daniel's son to, to, to do karate. He's getting beat up. And so he, Daniel says, would you teach me how to fight? And so Mr. Miyagi says, yes. But he says, you've got to do what I say. As Daniel says, okay. And you remember how like for, for, for days and weeks, he has to basically do chores. And Daniel gets mad. I mean, if you watch the scene... Uh, it's pretty intense. He gets mad. And Mr. Miyagi kind of pushes back, right? And he shows him that all the things I've been having you do were to teach you muscle movement, were to strengthen you, right? He was teaching him fundamentals. He didn't know that. Let's watch that. Let's see if we can do that. Got it up there, Sam? First wash all the car, then wax. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, right hand, and suck on. Wax off, left hand, suck on. Accomplish paint defense. All in the wrist. Wrist up. Right the circle, left the circle. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I'd wash your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Uh, not everything is as seen. Daniel-san! What? Come here. Show me sand the floor. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Now show me wax on, wax off. Wax on, hat. Wax off. Show me paint the fence. Up. Down. Show me paint the house. Side, side. Knock wrist. Side, side. Yes. Show me wax on, 
It's a great illustration, isn't it? Or it just shows that I'm an 80s kid, but it's a great illustration. The Lord is trying to get you strong and get you free. And He's inviting you to walk in the Spirit, trust Him. These things that I just went over today, that's how you can look to Him and trust Him and depend on Him. And I'll tell you, sometimes... You know, people just feel like, man, worship or reading the Bible or things like that. It's going through the motions or it's religious. No, no, no. They're not chores. He's training you. But you don't see what he's doing a lot of times. And I'll tell you, if you walk in the Spirit, meditate the Word and you crowd to the Lord, what's happening is you're putting your eyes on him. You're looking to him, not to yourself. And you'll find yourself stronger than you realize. You'll find yourself overcoming sin. You didn't even realize it. A lot of times what happens in my life is here I am struggling with this particular sin or something I want to get free from, and it's as I cry out to God, I find that thing just falls off. Like three months later, four months later, you know, sometimes longer, but I find myself, I'm just different. Or it's not a whole, it doesn't have a hold in my life. What I mean is it's not like I got free because I just really dealt with that thing. No, I got free because I went to the Lord and he got me free. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you illustrations of this in the next couple of weeks because I want to show you even more specifically how the Lord has done this in my life and how he's going to do it in your life, how we can implement these things. But I'll tell you, the Lord has set me free from so many things, deep insecurities, anger that used to just control me, just lust when I was 16. When I came to the Lord, I was in bondage to lust, and the Lord set me free as I walked in the Spirit and did these things. Pride. Pride and, and deep insecurities that were hindering my relationship with God, even with other people. And there were things that were going on inside my heart that I did not know they were there. It was only as I built up my faith and he showed me his love and his, my identity, and as he would shine his light and show me, hey, that's where that pride's really coming from. And it's only as I began to make some serious choices to do what his word says, and as I would cry out to God, he would answer my prayers and set me free. And I continue to do this. I have to continue to walk in the Spirit. He continues to give me breakthrough in my life. But I'm not under the weight of these things. Nothing is pinning me down in my life. By the grace of God, I walk in a freedom that even though I might struggle with things, I know how to take it out. Amen? Right, stand with me and let's respond to the Lord.